take our text tonight from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, looking at verses 14 through 21. That's Acts chapter 2, beginning at the 14th verse. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, in signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Apostle Peter, of course, had just experienced the mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. The power had filled his heart. It had filled his soul. We know that he was completely immersed in the Spirit of God. And immediately the Spirit of God had taken control of his tongue and he spoke in a distinct, unlearned language. Those around Peter in this prayer meeting, the Bible says, was approximately a group of 120. And they were all experiencing for the first time this brand new phenomenon. It was powerful. It was an infilling And at this time, as they were filled, evidence of having been filled, of course, was that they spake, each one of them, in a language they did not previously know. In verses 6 and 7 of this chapter, the Bible explains this group of onlookers that were watching. The Bible explains them in three ways. First, it says they were confounded, which means they were perplexed, they were confused, even means that this group of people that were looking on were in an uproar. The second word that's used to explain them is they were amazed, which means they were astounded, astonished, or they were literally beside themselves. And thirdly, the Bible says they were they marveled, which means they were in admiration or in wonder. This group of onlookers, they recognized these languages that they were listening to, and it says that they said... Are these not all Galileans? Well, there were three provinces at that time. Galilee was to the north, to the south was Judea. And the Galileans were often looked down upon by many because they were thought to be less educated. Well, the Bible explains these onlookers to be, in verse 5, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And they were observing a group of holiness believers 
having a prayer meeting. They were observing a group of holiness believers in unity, and they were observing a group of holiness believers following the commandment that Jesus Christ had given them. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And that word endure, endued literally means, it's interesting, sink into a garment or to be clothed. So he's actually saying to be clothed with power from on high or the spirit of God. And that's what exactly is happening here. The promise was being fulfilled. Well, Peter, we might say, begins with some clarifying remarks that I read. He says these believers, they're, they're not, we're not. He's speaking on behalf of the group. We're not drunk. It's the third hour of the day, and for us that would be 9 a.m. in the morning. And, of course, we know that to be the time of the morning sacrifice or the morning time of worship as the Holy Spirit is, being, is fulfilling Pentecost to the very hour. But then and through this, by way of unction from the Holy Spirit, God reveals unto Peter that this had been predicted or prophesied to happen. Acts chapter 2, verse 16, he simply says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Well, what do we know about the prophet Joel? We don't really know a whole lot, but we believe that he wrote this prophecy probably 800 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. In fact, at least 800 years. The word Joel means Jehovah is his God. That seems pretty significant. Joe's father was Pethuel. When I looked it up, it appears that he's only mentioned once in Scripture, Joel chapter 1, verse 1. Now, of course, the writings of the minor prophets in our Bibles, they're not necessarily in chronological order. Joel is thought to have been the first of the writing prophets, you might say, those that wrote it down, and we have a book of theirs in the Scripture. Many think that Joel likely even himself knew Elijah and Elisha. They didn't write down their own book like Joel did, but he probably knew them. And Joel, we believe he prophesied to the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember, Elijah and Elisha were prophets to the southern kingdom. Excuse me, Joel prophesied to the southern kingdom along with Micah, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, and Obadiah. But as you read through the book of Joel, you, you find a term that many of the prophets use quite often, if not all of them, and that is the day of the Lord. And it's often referring to God's vengeance, a day of wrath, a day really of destruction, fierceness, and anger, a day where God makes things right, we might say, on the earth. And to give some examples, Joel chapter 1, verse 15, he says, Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Joel chapter 2, verse 1, he uses it five times, this term. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh. It is nigh at hand, or it is close. Joel chapter 2, verse 11. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army. What does this sound like? For his camp is very great. For he is strong and executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. And who can abide it? And now we get to the example 
that Peter is quoting in Acts chapter 2. The sun shall be turned in the darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. So we can very clearly see that the apostle Peter, in quoting the prophet Joel, ties the outpouring of the Holy Ghost to the final days of human history. He says it's the final days. Way back at Pentecost, Peter says, in the last days. I'll read it again. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Peter here is defining what it is to be in the last days. And that's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And from there going forward, he's saying we're fast approaching the day of the Lord. So today we live in a time of spiritual renewal, spiritual blessing, a time of grace, a time of salvation, a time in which there is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and we want to take advantage of it. The prophet Joel gives even more insight on how it will look at the very end. Looking at the same uh, chapter 2, verse 23, prior to even what Peter was quoting He says, be glad then, Joel chapter 2, verse 23, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. You see, the prophet Joel is using a physical manifestation or a physical example to explain something spiritual that would happen at the end. If you search this term in your Bible, latter rain, you can find early in Deuteronomy where it's used to explain really a a, a physical manifestation. Deuteronomy 11.14, he says that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. So we could say the first rain, or we might say here as the, the former rain, took place in Israel approximately six months before the latter rain. And that's what's being referred to here on the day of Pentecost. He says, first rain or the former rain. And I didn't originally realize this, but if you look at that term former rain, it literally means teaching or teacher. That reminded me of John 4, 14, 26. It says, but the comforter, this is the words of Jesus which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And and Jesus promised that the disciples who would be apostles would be taught by way of the Holy Spirit and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And we find that to be true today. The Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us and leads us and guides us. So we can clearly see that the beginning or the seed of the church of God, the bride of Christ, began at the first outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But what about the latter rain? We're talking about the very end of the last days, or we could call them the final days of the final days. In Israel, in the physical, of course, the latter rain was just before the harvest. It's what gave the crop or the fruit, that extra sweetness 
that extra ability to be harvested. On our calendar, uh, that would be in the month April, or in the Hebrew calendar, it would be in what they refer to as Nisan. I want to read an expert from our own history book real quick. As in early 1906, Seymour was invited to help a pastor to help pastor a holiness church in Los Angeles, where he continued to expound upon the Pentecostal doctrine using Acts 2.4 as his text. When the church where he was assisting rejected that message and locked him out of the building, Seymour received an invitation to stay at a home where he was encouraged to hold prayer meetings. He was also invited to prayer meetings held in a home at 214 Bonnie Bray Street, where a group of people met to pray for revival. At the end of March, Seymour called for a 10-day tarrying meeting. On April 9th, after 10 days of prayer and fasting, several received the Holy Spirit. With the evidence of speaking in tongues, on April 12th, Seymour also received the baptism. Word spread quickly, and soon crowds began to gather in the street to hear Seymour preach from the front porch. Now, I wouldn't normally read from Wikipedia, but I found this to be very appropriate. The Azusa Street Revival was a historic series of revival meetings that took place in Los Angeles, California. It was led by William J. Seymour, an African-American preacher. The revival began on April 9, 1906, and continued until roughly 1915. On the 9th of April 9, 1906, Seymour and seven men were waiting on God on Bonnie Bray Street when suddenly, as though hit by a bolt of lightning, they were knocked down from their chairs to the floor, and the other seven men began to speak in tongues and shout out loud, praising God. The news quickly spread. The city was stirred. Crowds gathered. And a few days later, Seymour himself received the Holy Spirit. Services were moved outside to accommodate the crowds who came from all around. People fell down under the power of God as they approached. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the sick were healed, and sinners received salvation. The testimony of those who tended the Azusa Street Revival was, I am saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. In reference to the three works of grace, of holiness, Pentecostals, the original branch of Pentecostalism. We believe this to be the literal beginning of the latter rain gospel, specifically prophesied and predicted by the prophet Joel, beginning in none other than the month of April, the first month, just as he said over 800 years prior to the time of Christ. I want to read a few experts from some of the original apostolic faith papers that stuck out to me recently. This is from September 1906. A little girl about 12 years of age was sanctified in a Sunday afternoon children's meeting. And then in the evening meeting, she was baptized with the Holy Ghost. When she was filled, those standing near remarked, who can doubt such a clear ease of God's power? I don't know how old you are tonight, but God can do a, a wonder in your life. In about an hour and a half, a young man was converted, sanctified, and baptized with the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. He was healed from consumption so that when he visited the doctor, he pronounced his lungs sound. 
In the meetings, it is noticeable that while some in the rear are opposing and arguing, and it sounds like Acts chapter 2, others are at the altar falling down under the power of God and feasting on the good things of God. The two spirits are always manifest, but no opposition can kill, no power in earth or hell can stop God's work while he has consecrated instruments through which to work. Another example from September 1906, a drunkard got under conviction in a street meeting and raised his hand to be prayed for. They prayed for the devil of drink to be cast out and the appetite was gone. He came to the meeting and was saved, sanctified, and baptized with the Holy Ghost. And in three days from the time he was drunk, he was speaking a new tongue and praising God for Pentecost. He hardly knows himself. All over the city, God has been setting homes on fire and coming down and melting and saving and sanctifying and baptizing with the Holy Ghost. And as you read through different experts, you see different places mentioned, such as San Diego, Oakland, uh, Manitoba, Minnesota, uh, internationally, Sweden, Norway, uh, Canada, other states like New York, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Ohio, Pennsylvania. Even reading from uh, volume, one, volume number one, number four, an anointed handkerchief was sent to Elizabeth Smith in Georgia, and as soon as she opened the letter, she was instantly healed. One came here and had been suffering for years in body and was healed by the power of God while in the meetings without even asking for prayer. When the conditions are just right, the Lord is just as responsible for the healing of our bodies as our souls. The reason so many are sick is because they trust in the arm of the flesh instead of God. A, a brother testified last week, I came in a backslider and half drunk, and the Lord forgave my backsliding right in my seat. A few days afterward, he, he sanctified me and baptized me with the Holy Ghost. James, the half-brother of Jesus, in writing his general epistle, said the following. James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Verse 8. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. In the days of Noah, there was a different day of the Lord. God pronounced destruction on the earth. He said that all flesh would be destroyed. And we know that Noah built the ark for about 120 years, the Bible says. And if I do my math correctly, it's been about 115 years since the latter rain gospel began to be poured out. And I don't know if there's a significance in that amount of time, but I think we should be aware that the day of the Lord is at hand. The harvest, no doubt, is very soon. At Youth Focus, a week ago, Saturday, we talked about this time of year, the word harvest. And in fact, we looked up on our Bible apps, we searched the word harvest, and you'll find in the New Testament 13 places or locations where the word harvest is used in the New Testament. The original word is translated reaping, or that is the crop, what we would think it to be. Not only is the harvest soon, we need to be ready. 
We know that. And that's the focus. We need to be ready because we know the harvest to be soon. But if you look at many instances, in particular, where Jesus uses the word harvest as examples to those that he was speaking to, his point was that he wanted to send workers into the field. He wants to send you and he wants to send me to help in his vineyard. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. That's in Matthew 9, verse 37, verse 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. That's Jesus asking his disciples to pray back then. How much more you and me tonight and today? Luke renders it this way. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Our life goal, our priority, our urgency, our resolve, our determination should be to tell others about Jesus Christ. Should it be tell others that the day of the Lord is coming. Should be tell, to be tell others that the harvest is at the very door. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to be partakers of this latter rain gospel. words of the prophet Joel are being fulfilled. The day of the Lord is at hand. The day of grace will be shut. The day of salvation will be closed. The crop will be taken. The latter rain gospel will be over. We believe in our day. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Have you been saved? Have you been subsequently sanctified? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? We believe the Spirit of God is calling. As we've learned in the scripture, it's the day of grace. It's the day where God calls sinners to repentance. And, and if you're not sure what this salvation is, or you haven't heard of it before, you don't understand, the Lord will help you. He'll take you by the hand. You have to repent of your sins. Because the day of the Lord is at hand. His judgment is coming to this earth. It's a different day. You don't want to go into the tribulation period. And we look at where he talks about the, the sun and the moon and the stars. And a lot of that sounds like what happens during the tribulation period. But we want to be snatched away. We want to be taken up. We want to be taken out of this old world. We preach tonight that the day of the Lord is at hand. But the day of grace is still open. You need to know Jesus Christ and your sins having been forgiven. We're going to have an opportunity to pray. The song is 380 night. Let's come out and pray.